I'm M. Sauter, better known as Pints and Panels. And I'm Don Tess, better known as the Dawn of Beer. Welcome to the 14th episode of the All About Beer podcast. Every two weeks, we talk with leading experts and take a deep dive into one topic in beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. And if you're feeling generous or nice, uh, visit patreon.com forward slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. This week on the show, we've got a very important topic, freshness. We have two awesome guests, Erica Gadrick of the Craft Beer Cellar in D.C. and John Kimmick of The Alchemist, who will talk about freshness from two perspectives, getting your beer to market and then how it's sold. Don, fresh is best. I'm the type of person that's like looking under cartons of like, or, you know, Best Buy. I want Born On. I want transparency, transparency, transparency. I want to make sure that I'm getting the best beer possible. I know that's neurotic, but I've been burned by old beer before and it stinks. <laughs> getting burned stinks or the old yeah. beer stinks? Both, both things. Both. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, I think that's your prerogative. I'm, you know, I'm, I think, a little bit less neurotic. Obviously, fresher is, generally speaking, better. But um, I, I'm such a nerd that, like, I, I, you know, I have my own little beer cellar. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had an IPA that was like 12 years old. And of course, it did not taste great. But um, I'm such why a nerd you, that I actually... Why did you have like, a 12-year-old? What is wrong it, with it you? It got to the back of the cellar and it was hard to Oh, reach a likely and, excuse. So, anyways, <laughs> I, I'm such a nerd. I actually uh, enjoyed it on an academic level. But I do... I, 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 that's a whole side thing. Obviously, uh, fresher is is better. Do you look at uh, candidates when you buy beer? Uh, not when I buy it. I will look really? at it. Uh, no, because again, I'm kind of happy You look to, at it at home and then regret Looking, no, I don't regret it because store. even if I'm getting it out of date, I still enjoy it, uh, okay. you know, at that, at that level. And, and I think beer, I think beer changes. Uh, uh, and so, and I think that's a good thing. Like, I don't think. Uh, oh, I, I agree. I've just, I've bought, a, I can, I'm thinking of a time I bought a 12 pack of beer at a supermarket didn't have a it had a date on it that was kind of a mystery. It was an insider distributor code. And when I opened one of those beers, it tasted like I was drinking in a swimming pool. And it was disgusting. And I have no idea how old that beer was. And it definitely does not taste like a swimming pool most of the time. So I was shocked at how bad it was. And I I said, never again. Um, And we foisted (laughs) them on my brother-in-law. Even he was like, I'll drink these regrettably. Uh, (laughs) So... See, you I'm know, the type of guy, if I bought a 12-pack, I'd deliberately drink one each month just to see how it changes oh, over the 12 Oh, months. more swimming pool. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. Now, it's, now it tastes like oh, Olympic-sized swimming pool. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we'll introduce our guests and get into a conversation. But first, if you would like to support the All About Beer podcast, reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Attention all managers and team leaders. Do you want to provide your staff with the best training in the beer industry? Look no further than Beer Savvy Online by the Cicerone Certification Program. In just a few hours, your team will master the fundamentals of excellent beer service, styles, and beer flavor. At the end of the course, your team can earn a globally recognized beer industry credential. And the best part, as a manager, you can monitor your team's learning progress. Set your business apart with a beer-savvy staff today. To learn more, visit Cicerone.org and click on the group training button. 
And if you'd like to learn more about how you can get your company or message featured on this show and others produced by All About Beer, please reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Thanks again to Cicerone for sponsoring this episode. Erica Gadrick is the owner of the Craft Beer Cellar in Washington, D.C. and the co-owner of Mindful Drinking Fest. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So what do you do at the Craft Beer Cellar? And your store is based in Washington, D.C., correct? That is correct. Uh, near Union Station. I am the owner of Craft Beer Cellar and uh, so a jack of all trades. Oh, nice. Nice. So you're in charge of essentially everything from, you know, the minute beer comes in to beer being out of code to ordering to all that stuff, correct? That is absolutely correct. I am very hands-on here all the time. So Wonderful. yes. It's always nice to see a beer store owner be very hands-on. I think that that goes for something for the quality um, and shows that you care about beer. So Definitely. Very, I mean, very, very, yeah, very nice. Um, I want you to walk me through what happens the minute beer comes in. So beer gets delivered. Is it cold? Is it warm? Um, depending on who delivers it. And then how do you input things? How do you make sure that freshness is on top of your mind when beer is delivered? Sure. Um, so it depends on the distributor where it's coming from. If the beer is delivered cold or warm, um, and whether the trucks are refrigerated or not, and then when they bring it in, we're checking the date codes on them. If anything has less than thirty days of shelf life left, I um, immediately send it back. I don't even accept that case or cases. Um, and then uh, we follow a first in, first out uh, method when we are putting it on the shelf. So the newest stuff in goes to the back. Um, we're also checking just to make sure it can happen sometimes when distributors deliver that it can be within code, but it's older than something that we have on the shelf. So we try to keep an eye on that as well. It doesn't happen very frequently. And usually there's not a big difference in the dates, but it can happen. And so we try to pay attention to that. Um, another thing that I do is I don't order um, large, quant like I'm not ordering 25 cases of IPAX. I order one or two at a time to get me through the week until next week's delivery. And so I'm trying to always make sure I'm getting the freshest beer um, that the distributor has, who should also be following the first in first out method. And, and, and most distributors deliver weekly or biweekly or. Uh, most are weekly. Okay. What, what percentage would you say are delivered cold versus warm? Um, dur during, during the winter, I would say it's more just room temperature. Um, okay. it, it's not cold, but it's less of a concern during the summertime more, I would say about 50% of it is delivered cold, okay. um, which you can tell, um, cause it starts sweating, um, right. you know, yeah. but of course our, our entire store is not, um, 
is not a cooler. It, it's a store. We do keep it 68 degrees to try to, um, that's about as cold as the uh, HVAC guys will let me go uh, <laughs> here. But I, I think that's that's uh, uh, acceptable in terms of the temperature of um, trying to keep it in the range that, that it needs to be. So how do you monitor like, fr like freshman, like born on or Best Buy? Is it just eyes on? Is there a spreadsheet? Is there, cause there's, I mean, I can imagine a beer store nowadays. How, I mean, you must have, I don't even know how many SKUs. Yeah. Um, I've lost track too, you know, I would say 500 <laughs> to 600 at, wow, okay. um, but yes, um, it, it's tough. I mean, and every, every situation is different. So sadly there are some breweries who don't even put a date code on their cans or bottles. Um, for those, I try to basically, I'm not ordering them unless they're on the new sheet from the distributor, because I have no idea how old that is. Like, mm. was it from the first time that beer was sent in or have they gotten a replenishment shipment and it's newer? And so I know there's no there's no guarantee that if it's on the new sheet that it's, you know, two weeks old or a month old at that point. Um, I just have to kind of press the I believe button that the brewery is sending the freshest stuff. The distributor's putting it out there as soon as possible. Um, and we're going with that. And, um, you know, it's something that I just because I am here all the time and have do the ordering and have a keen sense of what's what have uh, knowledge of, OK, this has been here now for a month. I need to, you know, kind of push through this, whether it's, you know, discounting the price or recommending it to people, et cetera. So um, it's it's not really an issue moving through it. It's just knowing, OK, is this within code or not or what when was it canned or what is the best by date? Um, in situations where breweries do put a date on there, then you have to figure out, okay, is this the canned or bottled date or is this the best buy date? Some people, but, but both, I'll give an example. Boulevard is great. They will put both the born on or the canned on date as well as the freshest uh, or uh, best buy date on there. And so there's no guesswork that needs to be applied to that. Because if somebody puts the uh, canned on date, then it's like, okay, so what is the brewer's intention? Is this 90 right. days? Is it 120 mm -hmm. days? Is it 180 days? And shortly after I opened, I did have a spreadsheet where I was trying to keep track of, okay, what is this? And, and some breweries make it easy because they're like, all our products are 120 days. Now, one could argue <laughs> you can't apply that sort of method, like a barrel-aged stout has a lot more shelf life than 120 sure. days, but at least you have guidelines to go by um, versus otherwise you're kind of, it, it, it's kind of a crapshoot and guessing, okay, what did the brewer intend? And it is difficult to reach out with how many breweries do we have in the U.S. now? Um, 9,000, 10,000? And granted, no, we don't carry all of those, but <laughs> still reaching out to the ones that we have to every single one and trying to track what their uh, date methods are, uh, is a difficult thing to do. And then you spread that out over the number of beers. And so then I back it up to, okay, IPAs, you give them a 90 to 120 day shelf life. It's a, if it's a West coast IPA, 
you can give a little bit longer. And the thing to keep in mind is unlike milk or some other products, like if you drink beer past its best by date, it's, it's not going to make you sick. It's just that the flavor falls off. The hot profile falls off. Um, and, and so it's like, if it's one day past code, is it the biggest deal? No, it's not going to make somebody sick, but it's not something that, that you want in your store. And, and we're not perfect. Things have mm-hmm. slipped by me. Um, we do everything is available to sell as singles or to buy as singles here. And so sometimes, you know, you're moving through the six pack, but there's a single that's sitting there that's been sitting there forever that nobody's bought in a while. And you don't realize that, oh, that one's, you know, moved past code now. So you do the best that you can. Of course, there's also the difference in dating methods. Is it month, day, year? The Germans especially love to do day, month, year. Um, Some breweries do Julian dating in which you have to figure out, okay, 365 means December 31st versus, you know, one means Mm -hmm. January 1st and trying Mm -hmm. to figure that out. So Yes, it's it's something that um, I wish the brewing industry was better at, that there were some consistency that everybody dated, that all breweries dated their um, packages, but we do the best that we can. Yeah, because some have destroyed, like coding. Are you privy to the insider coding that some larger brewery, I mean, I don't know what you carry, but I know some larger breweries will have... Um, distributor only codes or that they know distributors know but the public doesn't which infuriates the heck out of me yeah <laughs> I try to um, buy beer yes usually I don't have access to those okay. um I have worked with some of our distributors here locally like um that they send me I don't know every two weeks basically a list of their products and when they're coding out and stuff. And so, and that's to help so that I'm not ordering something that's close to code and they have mm-hmm. to bring it in the door and then I just have to send it back. And yeah. so it's, it's to help both of us, but that way then I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily insider information. It's just sharing the date codes that they have with me mm-hmm. so that I know what to order or what to stay away from. So Do you wait, oh yeah, hold on. All right, go go ahead, Don. Uh, I was just gonna say, you know, I, I'm a pretty <laughs> cynical guy. Um what? Come on. <laughs> so I was wondering if um and this this is my dark side coming out, but but I mean, like if if a brewery is hiding information by using date codes, emphasis on the word code, where it's not obvious what they're doing are they trying to hide something like should i read into that that the you know i can't assume freshness because otherwise they would just put a date i can actually read and understand on it i don't know how to answer that question (laughs) (laughs) well Um, that that hasn't been your experience then no i i can't say that i deal too much with people who are putting random secret codes on things or maybe it's in it drives me crazy the breweries that will put a witty saying on the bottom of a can but not a date and I'm like Mm. okay maybe that witty saying is their internal code I don't know um I don't I also don't know I don't know what it costs to buy the dating machine um that that you use and so why why doesn't every brewery have one of these I I just, I I don't understand why 
why breweries aren't dating uh yeah, I mean, you could even yeah. do a, yeah. you could do a best like a born on with a grocery printer. I've seen yeah. that with yes. really yep. small. That's a little difficult when you break it into singles yes. versus four packs. Um, but I've seen smaller breweries do that. And it, I mean, oh, that's a date code. Okay, I know what that is. Yes. Yeah. yes. Or, I mean, some people used to, I haven't seen it recently, but they would at least put a date on the case box. Um, uh, so okay. yep. I at least had that to go by. I know that for the consume end consumer, it doesn't do any good because but, it, uh, depending where you're shopping, you have no idea. You know, it's something that I know I uh, place a lot of value in, and I hope my customers know that I do that. So, but but you can't trust that everywhere and so i just right. yeah i just wish i wish there were consistency i wish everybody was dating um you know i'll give you a situation too from a from a customer standpoint it's tough for them as well i had someone email me in a week after having shopping sh having shopped here saying hey my boyfriend and i were in in last week and we bought six random singles and they're all out of date and I was like, oh my gosh, like I can see maybe one of them, but like six different beers being out of date. That's really like, oh no. And so I was like, thank you for reaching out. Do you know the, do you remember the names of the beers, et cetera, so that I can look into this, remove any from my shelves, willing to give you a refund, all that stuff. Well, as it turns out, um, all of them were canned on dates and they were <laughs> fresh, like from two weeks prior. And so, but if the consumer doesn't know, then they're confused and thinking it's expired and thinking it like, and then they're not going to buy your product again. So I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a really, it's a su super sticky situation because, you know, we don't, I don't, I love when breweries do both. Um, and that's great. And then there's some breweries that are like, no, I'm not going to tell you any, like I've bought well, I don't, my, my big pet peeve is when you buy a 12 pack and the born on or best by date is not on printed on the case. Yep. I'm like the person that's like moving it around to be like, all right, where's, I know Sierra Nevada does, but there are larger breweries that don't, and I'm just not going to buy it if I don't know if it doesn't have a date on it. I'm that person in like the milk, like, you know, area looking at the frying to find the freshest milk. Cause I'm that yep. person. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it can be incredibly confusing. Do you, would you rather everyone do Best Buy or Born On? Do you have a part? I, I feel like yours would be Best Buy. But... Uh, my, mine would be Best Buy. Although it's funny because I have had customers tell me in the past that they should be able to decide when mm. it's best. Like they may like something that's 110 days, not 90 days. Um, the okay, taste yeah. of it better and I'm so ideally it would be both they put the born on and best yeah, yeah. I, ideally it would be both um, you know and I'm of the opinion like it's the brewery brewers product they should know what its shelf life and best buy dates yeah. are based off of and and like you want to drink the product that they put out they're they're putting it out to you saying this is what it should taste like so but at the same time, I mean, everybody's different. And so, um, you know, we also, something, something can be a day old and some people like it and other people think it's too green. So yeah, there's that too. 
How do you educate consumer, like the people who call or email them were like, no, these are out of date, but it was, how do you feel like people yourself or breweries should educate about freshness? Um, I mean, in response to that email, I just explained that um, those were all canned on dates. Um, they came fresh. Like I checked with the distributor and a couple of those breweries to be sure that I was indeed that it was the canned on date, not best buy date. And that I, I I think it would be good, like on there. I mean, this this gets into the the there's so many beers, so many breweries now don't or they might have one or two core beers, but then they're rotating so many of their other beers. But it would be nice to put um, information on their website. There's ability even if if they don't have. Uh, a, a, if a date coder machine is really expensive, then could they put a QR code on the label that um, people can scan and take you to a website? Of course, I personally would hate that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I personally would hate that because then I'd have to be scanning all day these QR codes, but at least it's information for the consumer and I'd rather have that than nothing at all. Sure. Right. Right. I also think we need to get away from the Julian dating. <laughs> yeah, because that's like that feels very like '90s, like kind of a old school. Like, and then you also have to do the. You're like, all right, two seventy five. Like, I, at the I mean, top of my head, they, I have no idea what day that is. <laughs> right. Exactly. I I either have to Google or I just. Uh, uh, do a uh, rough in my head, like every yes. month is 30 days. And so, mm -hmm. okay, 270 divided by 30 is 90 or is nine. nine. So we're talking September nine. there. Okay. <laughs> Just <laughs> narrow it down that way. What do you wish customers would understand uh, or would do when they're shopping for beer? Um. <laughs> On the one hand, not be so picky about dates because there are customers who will look at the date and if it's three weeks old, they won't buy it. Um, and then there's other people that I wish would pay more attention um, when they're shopping, though, again, I hope that they are trusting me to um, do the legwork for them uh, here at my store, but I know that that's not everywhere. So just to be knowledgeable and, and kind of watch out. But I mean, you know, th this, this is what I live and breathe. I don't expect customers to know, okay, Sierra Nevada is this many days on their products versus Boulevard is this many days versus other half is this many days on their, like, how do, how do you keep all that straight? And so, um, you know, but maybe maybe consumers can start reaching out to their breweries and encouraging them to start providing both canned on and Best Buy dates. I like that. Good advice. What do you do when uh, beer goes out of date? Does is there a? I know some breweries will do a buy bank or to get the stuff off the shelves. Do you return it to the distributor? Are you in charge? Do you eat that? Call, what? How does that? How does that work? What happens when beer goes out of date? So it depends um, on quantity. 
uh, really. So if I have a full case or something and it's something um, sometimes if, if there's a local rep in the market, um, regardless of the quantity, I'll reach out to them. And it's something where like I've reached out to them before it actually codes. Like I'm like, I'm really struggling to move this beer. Uh, can we do a tasting or something to help move it along type of thing? And so then um, they'll be like, Hey, if this doesn't move, I'll, I'll purchase it from you. Uh, or reaching out to the distributor. If, if it's a full case of something and be like, Hey, we tried, but this didn't move. Um, because it's an infrequent request from me. And because it's not large quantities, they're often willing to basically they'll trade out with a fresh case. Um, if they have it or give me a refund. And then if it's, if we're talking a couple of cans, I just have to eat that cost. Okay. Do you um, ever, oh, go ahead. No, and no, you sometimes, go ahead sometimes, sometimes I also drink it myself to be like, or, or depending on how it tastes, yes. like, mm -hmm. okay, what's the difference here? Like, do I note the oldness, if you will, right. in this versus a fresh one type of thing? So use it for education purposes too. <laughs> I guess my my neck my question on top of that was like, do you ever with like hold stuff specifically out of code to you know age it or because I mean if you're going for education purposes, but you know vintaging certain bottles because some some things can last uh, you know people want imperial stouts a few years old or for selling or verticals or anything like that. Um. So if it, if it's something that is not a barrel aged or something that can last for years, um. I'll, I'll hold it for a little while, like for the education purposes, but it's not something that I, I'm looking to like keep or having to keep track of. Um, mm -hmm. And then for things that are barrel aged out, something that you could do a vertical on. Typically, I also don't do that just because I, I don't have a whole lot of space here. Um, and so when something comes in, I mean, if somebody wants to sell it, they can sell it, you know, at home. So um, do you have, you know, it sounds like you are very, very diligent and I thank you for that. Um, I'm assuming not all stores, uh, are always that diligent. <laughs> I can't even speak today. Um, um, vigilant. Um, do you have any rules of thumbs for customers? Like, you know, obviously if a can is covered in dust, that's old, but <laughs> yeah. any other rules of thumb? Like, I guess I'm thinking like, if there's a rare beer and I see a floor stack of, you know, 20 cases, they've overbought it in the hopes of, of cashing in on the cachet of that beer. And therefore it might be old. And I don't know, even know if that's true. I'm, that's basically what I'm asking is, do you have any rules of thumb where if you see a big floor stack that that's not a good sign, or maybe it is a good sign. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, it, it it depends what it is. Oftentimes those floor stacks could be something like uh bourbon county stout or right. Um so so those are things that are fine to age. And so that doesn't turn me off. I would say it's more when I see stacks of IPAs um around and I just when I see those stacks. Um, and admittedly, it depends. Maybe the store moves that volume in a week. I don't know. Right. Um, but it, it concerns me that, okay, how 
when their next delivery comes in of that product, are they moving that stack to the top so that the freshest stuff goes on the bottom? So maybe Perhaps consumers can't. should go uh, to their favorite store on delivery day to see what they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe they move the fresh stuff to the back until they're, or the newest, newest mm. delivered stuff to the back until the stack up front moves and they don't have to constantly be restacking. But it is something that I often, when I see something like that, I kind of am curious about the, the stack. And again, it depends. If it's something that's seasonal, like if I see a stack of, Schlafly pumpkin in my store on September 1st, I'm not going to be concerned about that because like it's seasonal and I know that's going to move, um, particularly something as popular as Schlafly pumpkin. But if I see that same stack there in January, then I'm concerned. Red flags. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Don't, don't buy, don't be buying pumpkin beer in March. Yeah, it's probably, it's not gonna, it's gonna definitely lose its pumpkin for sure. Which is yeah. a good thing. I, yes. hey, Don, come on now. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with pumpkin beer. In its right, time and place, place, pumpkin yes. beer is lovely. Yes, if you need to clean your drains, it's. Oh, boo. <laughs> boo. Come on no. now. Um, Don, is there anything else you want to discuss with Erica today? No, I love it. Um, you know, people just need to be conscious and and ask questions and think about it. And I love it. I think that's true yeah. of yeah. every aspect of beer. So I love it. Anything? Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add, Erica? I mean, I would just, yeah, I would just agree with Don, like use common sense. You know, there's nothing wrong with looking at the most breweries that are dating are putting the dates on the bottom of the can. That's not 100%, but that's the majority. And so it doesn't hurt to take a peek. And if you see an IPA that particularly one of the New England style IPAs that's, you know, hovering around that 90 day mark, be a little cautious. If um, that's not to say every, every IPA um, has a 90 day shelf life, that's not, not true. And like I said, particularly the West Coast IPAs have a longer shelf life, but it doesn't hurt to take a peek at the bottom of the can and see what the date is. And if you have concerns, talk to me or whoever the attendant is at your local shop. Exactly. Always, yeah. I'm I'm a peeker. I peek. Yeah. I'm always, <laughs> I'm always peeking. Uh, I'm always looking for dates. That's my because. Once you get burned and you're like, man, I paid blank for this and, you know, I'm not going to, you know, you could get your money back perhaps, um, but maybe I'm lazy. I don't know. Um, once you get burned by old beer, uh, I, you become more vigilant to make sure that doesn't happen again because there's, yes. there's nothing worse than opening something and being like, oh, no, now I have 12 of these or yeah. <laughs> I have four of these and then, you know, you have to like dump them or now they get ne put next to the pumpkin beer that you're going to dump. Oh, she's so. done. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was supposed to stay away from pumpkin no, beer. Oh, Don's <laughs> just being done. I am. I actually like pumpkin beer. I just like yeah. to take uh, hot takes sometimes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Erica, where can people find info about your store and you um, on uh, social media or website? 
all of the above, um, Instagram and Twitter, CBC underscore DC. So that's like craft beer seller, Washington, DC, um, CBC underscore DC website, CBC DC shop. Awesome. Well, thank you so awesome. much for all your insights. This was really fascinating. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was a joy talking to you guys about freshness. Cool. Awesome. Cheers. We'll continue our show with John Kimmick, but first a word from our sponsors. Attention all managers and team leaders. Do you want to provide your staff with the best training in the beer industry? Look no further than Beer Savvy Online by the Cicerone Certification Program. In just a few hours, your team will master the fundamentals of excellent beer service, styles, and beer flavor. At the end of the course, your team can earn a globally recognized beer industry credential. And the best part, as a manager, you can monitor your team's learning progress. Set your business apart with a beer-savvy staff today. To learn more, visit Cicerone.org and click on the group training button. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can get your company or message featured on this show and others produced by All About Beer, please reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Thanks again to Cicerone for sponsoring this episode. John Kimmick co-founded The Alchemist in 2003 with his wife, Jen. As head brewer of their company, John oversees all brewery operation, recipe development, and quality control. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Nice. Well, can you tell for people who don't know who you are and don't know who The Alchemist is, if they live under um, a rock or uh, are new to beer or are fine because, you know, you're in Stowe. Vermont. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your brewery, please? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, and on that point, you'd be surprised um, how many people don't know us. I still am how how often we get new customers that come into our brewery that um, have never heard of us. So it's a, it's funny how time marches on. But yes, uh, my name is John Kimmick. Uh, my wife, Jen Kimmick, and I uh, started The Alchemist as a 60-seat pub and brewery back in 2003, uh, we're coming up on our 20th anniversary, and um, we now own and operate two production breweries, one in Waterbury, Vermont, and the other here in Stowe, Vermont. Waterbury, Vermont is strictly production, and the Stowe facility is our, our curbside retail our, and our cafe. Nice. So... We have you on because we want to talk about freshness, and you are known for your IPAs, Hetty Topper and Focal Banger, being the two of them. Um, I noticed when the pandemic hit that you guys, to help out or however it was, you started distributing kind of far in a field. So I was seeing Topper, I was seeing Focal Banger where I live in Connecticut, which isn't super far from you, but I was also seeing it in, you know, Oregon and other places. Um, how does one keep, you know, with IPAs needing to be fresh and you say that on the can and all that stuff, how do you, how do you make sure that when people drink your beers, that they're getting what you intended? All right. Well, you hit on a couple of things there. I think I'd have to back up to, the <laughs> I know it's, it's a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd have to back up to the beginning of your question. When you said at the pandemic, you started seeing our beer popping up in other markets. Um, that is absolutely true. Um, but what you probably didn't realize is that our beer was at times in those markets um, for several years before the pandemic hit. 
Uh, we, uh, many, I mean, geez, I would say pretty much right away uh, when we opened the Stowe facility in 2016, and even a little bit before that, when we only had the Waterbury facility, we started sending very small, limited amounts of our beer to major markets, including, but not limited to, um, LA, San Diego, uh, San Francisco, Portland, Oregon, uh, Denver, uh, New Jersey, Manhattan, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, those were markets that we would send one pallet, two pallets every once in a while. And really, I lay a lot of that directly, or I credit a lot of that directly to Jen. Uh, she was the one with the foresight that we need to start opening these relationships with distributors. Even if once a year they only get 100 cases, someday we're going to be glad we did this. And wouldn't you know it, uh, <laughs> the pandemic hits and everybody is in this same situation. So thankfully, we had five plus years of relationships with these distributors already in existence. So the day we called them and said, tell you what, how about instead of two pallets, you take an entire trailer load? And they flipped out and they were over the moon at the opportunity. Uh, so with that said, those markets then were getting, um, you know, 26 pallets of 80 cases per pallet. And we were nervous, you know, we had never done something like that before and who knows how it's going to turn out, but lo and behold, those full trailers would hit the market. And quite often they were sold before the truck even left our brewery. Um, hmm. So it was, it was a relief for us knowing that we of course had that, had that demand in all of these far flung cities. Um, so it was it was a ton of work, of course, but uh, thankfully, they were ready for it, and the customers were certainly ready for it. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if you want to delve into a different question here, or if I should just keep <laughs> prattling on. But I could certainly, I could. Certainly I I'm, I will say you came into Connecticut and no one distributes in Connecticut because it's incredibly expensive. So I guess in my head, I was thinking all, so I will, I will rescind that yes. or I'll explain a little more about, yeah, it's outrageously expensive to, Connecticut, come to Connecticut. Connecticut was one of the last markets that we started going into. It always is. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> was, uh, you know, and, and also Massachusetts was one of the first markets that we pulled back out of once people started traveling again mm -hmm. and being able to come up and we had our curbside established and you could come to the brewery again and, and actually purchase the beer on site. Um, as far as quality goes, you know, it's, it, it's kind of the, the story begins way before the pandemic. That's for sure. Um, as far as our opinions on quality and, and how we run our business, I mean, you'd have to go all the way back to our years of operating that pub when we made a conscious decision that we were not going to distribute our beer. We weren't even selling growlers at our pub because um, you just, 
you couldn't package a beer in a growler to a quality standard that I was happy with. Uh, I was filling myself growlers, of course, and I would take them home. And in those times, I began experimenting with all different things and and purging the growlers was a, was a big one, you know? So all these times I would see breweries filling growlers, they just grab a, a dry jug out of a box and start filling it up and the jug's full of oxygen and, and you're immediately destroying this beer and then putting a cap on it. And so from day one, <laughs> that was... That was insane. The idea of taking one of my beers and oxidizing it, putting it in a growler, and then who knows what happens to it between the time that person gets it home, gathers their friends around, and then opens up that growler. And then everyone stands around and talks about how oxidized it is, you know. So so we were very adamant that we weren't going to let our beer get out of our brewery until we were ready to do it the right way. So can you maybe on that note, then for, for people who don't know, like what does oxygen do to beer and what does temperature do to beer and, and what does time do to beer? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> in, in Cole's notes version. <laughs> um, the short answer, it absolutely destroys it. Um, the, again, I feel like, I feel like we almost have to go backwards in this conversation, um, because we're ahead of the, the root of everything here. So very early on in my brewing career, when I was tasting beers and getting beers from far flung places, um, this is, I'm talking about the early nineties when when the idea of refrigerating beer was the least of a beer distributor's concerns, it was for the most part, everything was warm. It would be the, you know, the cheap beer that flew off the shelves, the iron city stuff like that, that would, that would be in the cooler maybe to grab a, a 12 pack. But some of the beers that were early influences on my thinking of all of this, of course, I've got a, I've got a, talk about Sierra Nevada. So Sierra Nevada was, I don't know if they were well known for it, but I was aware of it because beer was a, my passion. And so when I read that, what they would do is they would do partial bottle conditioning for stabilization of the beer and, you know, to, to package a live beer that was unpasteurized not entirely carbonated through natural means, but just enough to mop up any residual dissolved oxygen that might've been picked up during packaging. And it made for a beer that would just age beautifully and just last a little bit better. Um, but they were still sitting out warm on the shelves. So it's a testament to their process um, and their their idea of how to make their beer withstand some of these harsh conditions that it would be exposed to. So when we started making our beer at the pub, of course, um, nobody uh, that I know of ever talked about a beer being unpasteurized. Um, so it was essential to me to try to teach people what this means. Um, I had worked in enough breweries that filtered their beer to observe that 
it it really can strip a lot of character out of a beer. And not only does it strip character out of a beer, but it then makes it less, um, it, it, it kills it for lack of a better term. At that point, the way that beer tastes uh, is the way it's gonna taste, that's it. Um, it will go through no further changes in the packaging. That didn't sit well with me because I would witness the, the evolution of a flavor of a beer even in a bright tank over the course of four weeks, maybe that it would be on tap. And quite often um, I would like it the best, the, the days before it kicked, you know, toward the end of this conditioning like this. And so we wanted to be able to reproduce that in a package, which we decided to make cans. Um, and it's, it's interesting that after almost 20 years now, finally, um, I'm being interviewed on this topic. We, I really think that the Alchemist was um, central to a lot of what now is widely accepted as common in the world of craft beer. When we first started packaging Hetty Topper, uh, 2011, and we were going to start distributing our beer to a very small market within 25 miles of the brewery, uh, we met with several beer distributors, local and New England beer distributors. Not a single one of them could guarantee full cold chain distribution. So we had to do it ourselves. When nobody else could guarantee, we weren't going to sign with them and we refused to. So that's when we decided to set up our own distribution company and start doing it on our own. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Just we're, looking we're, it in. We're, 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 <laughs> yeah, we're listening. We have okay. <laughs> Maybe uh, every once in a while, just throw up a little message with like a thumbs up. So, okay. you, know, <laughs> you got it. You got it. Uh, um, so, so not a single distributor could guarantee this for us. And so we had to begin from scratch. And again, this is the genius of my wife. Um, she's the one that put in all of this work and built Alchemy Distributing. So then we set up over and maintained over 200 accounts, all within 25 miles of the brewery. We had our own vehicles. We had our own staff, we distributed, we would take it into the accounts, we would put it into the cooler ourselves. Over those first couple of years, it was an uphill struggle with accounts, with accounts trying to educate them as to something they had never had to do before, which was you have a beer that absolutely cannot be allowed to get warm. This is what we insist upon and this is what we demand that you do if you're going to sell our beer and some accounts put up a lot of resistance to that they said oh you know what's come on we've never had to do that we don't have to do that with any of these other beers and it's like i've well, been selling beer for 10 years you don't know what you're talking yeah. about yeah sure it's like yeah. well you've never sold our beer right and you know some people were miffed at that but eventually they came around and it was it was an unbelievably daunting task you know we started from scratch 
and educated an entire industry. Um, after setting that standard, there's not a distributor anywhere that the first thing they're going to say to you is, we can offer you full cold chain distribution. Uh, that is just a, a, a standard thing now. Um, that did not exist before we started insisting upon it and then um, doing it ourselves and showing how to do it. John, does your IPAs, I mean, I'm assuming they have a, do you have a shelf life with your distributors and they all know that and all your accounts know that? Or do you mm -hmm. just, and what would, well, if you just, do, what's that number? It's just not an, it's not a, a, a thing. Uh, not a thing. We, when we date our cans, we date the packaging date. Um, okay. Our beer is gone off of every shelf within days of hitting the market. So it's not as big of an issue for us as it might be for some breweries. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. Um, demand is certainly one of them. Um, our reputation and what people expect and what we deliver, that's part of it. Um, and the size of our operation. We decided a long time ago that we weren't going to be one of those breweries that just kept growing and growing and expanding and getting bigger and bigger. That's just holds zero appeal to Jen and I. Uh, we have always been motivated really by two things. Um, the unquestionable quality of our beer and our and every one of our employees lifestyle. Uh, we don't, we didn't ever want to have a business so big that we lost control. We didn't ever want a business so big that we would be forced into full-time distribution in multiple states. Uh, this was all for very specific reasons. I mean, those two are big ones, but, you know, uh, of course, another really huge one is exposure to liability. Uh, the world is a volatile place. And when you get to a certain size, little problems become big problems and big problems can compound and destroy everything. And we were determined to never let that happen. Uh, it took vigilance. Uh, it takes, it takes, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but basically uh, I think a lot of business owners and brewery owners uh, start seeing all those dollar signs and they just want more, more, more. And that's just never been a motivating factor for us. We, we've had absolutely nothing at times in our lives. So to have what we do have is incredible. And we don't need more. We are very aware of more does not make you happier. And we have created the life that we want to live. And why would we change that? Just because people want more of our beer. It's like, well, too bad. There is no more. This is all there is. So deal with it. Um, can I ask, uh, you mentioned when you were working at a prior brewery, you personally enjoyed the beer kind of when the bright was almost empty. What was, what was the change that was going on in the bright 
that resulted in it being so good at the end? And then how have you captured that in your beer now? Well, and an unfiltered and unpasteurized beer goes through countless metabolic changes as it sits there and ages. The that layer of that fine layer of yeast on the bottom of the tank or in the bottom of the can or the bottom of the bottle, it's alive and it continues to to have different influences on the beer that is in the package. Uh, this is what makes an aged barley wine develop depth and complexity. This is what makes a, a, a rough around the edges, very young, green, aggressive IPA um, evolve into an elegant and delightful IPA with nuance. Um, this is what creates depth of character in a Doppelbach or a Pilsner or any lager that you're going to lager for eight to 12 weeks before you're going to release it to the customer. Uh, so the benefits of a beer being kept alive are, are many. And that is... That's what drives us to, to insist upon all of the standards that we have set with keeping our beer fresh and presenting it to the customer. Um, it is absolutely essential that, that somebody buys our beer and it's fantastic. Right. And sure. I, have, I have bought our beer out of gas stations in Vermont. I'll, if I see it, I'll buy a four pack because I want to check the date. I mean, I'll, I'll look like a mental case going through people's coolers in random places, grabbing four packs and looking at the dates. Um, and at this point, so a, a couple of years ago, it was soon after the pandemic started. That's when, when we finally wrapped up our distribution company and we, we stopped self-distribution. And that, the only reason we did that, um, well, there were a couple of different reasons. For one thing, we basically just broke even on the whole process. So we weren't making any more money by self-distributing. We were just basically um, it, it ensured control and the ability to educate. So when we found a distributor, a local distributor that we had confidence in and understood what we expected and were fully on board, that's when we signed on with um, Craft Beer Guild. And that is what gave us the ability to then start hitting more than just our little 25 mile radius in Vermont. And then we were able to actually get beyond Burlington and up into the Northeast Kingdom a little bit and down to Brattleboro and these parts of the state that, that we just were unable to get to before. And what did that, you know, of course, was bringing this second production brewery online. So we we doubled our production from 9,000 barrels a year to 18,000 barrels a year. So that all coincided nicely with um, the, the stage of the industry and finally distributors maturing and getting up the speed and, and, uh, and doing what needed to be done to ensure the quality of our beer. I have a question. Is there a date that when you can and you see it, so like two weeks, three weeks, a month, when you think that 
it doesn't have to be your beer, but when you say like, say an IPA tastes its freshest, because oh. there are a lot of people who are like, I have to drink this the day it was packaged or no, no, you have to wait two to three weeks and then let the beer develop. Um, do you have well, any I, thoughts about that? I generally ignore anybody that thinks they know <laughs> um, <laughs> because because that's all bullshit. It really is. Um, it really is your personal taste. Uh, I will tell you this. Um, obviously not all beer is created equal and beyond that, um, to a much larger extent, not everybody's packaging skill is equal. So it is hit or miss. It really is. Um, I would never name names, but I can't tell you how many times I've had beers from very highly regarded breweries. Um, and quite frankly, they're, they're awful. Um, that could be many different things, but some of them, uh, I've witnessed myself just by having them in my fridge and trying them over the course of a month. And some of them absolutely fall off a cliff after two or three weeks. Uh, this is a factor of a lot of different things, but you know, the easy thing to peg it on is, is their packaging. Uh, a lot of people think they can buy a, a canning line or a bottling line. And if you're filling them up and getting seams and they don't leak, Hey, great. Ship it out the door. Um, <clears throat> but that's preposterous because if you're not quantifying what you've done to the beer during packaging, uh, you're just, you're blind to what is actually happening. So uh, if you just take heady topper as an example, uh, we will package Hetty Topper when it's about between 21 and 24 days old. In my opinion, uh, the day you package it, uh, I, I mean, it's great, but it has so much room to get better. It will, any beer, anytime it moves from one vessel to another, it needs time to adapt to its new surroundings um, from a conditioning tank to a bright tank to the final package, whether it be a keg or a bottle or a can. Those beers are immediately continuing to develop. And like I mentioned earlier, depending on the style, uh, those changes can be uh, observed in different ways. But as far as an IPA goes, A young, freshly packaged IPA, uh, whether it's packaged or not, uh, it, by its very nature, has a much more aggressive um, present hop character that, again, if it was filtered, it would be stagnant, and that is what the character would be. But being unfiltered and unpasteurized, it will change and evolve that little bit. I love our beer when it's young. I, I have... I'll pull a heady out of the fridge that's three weeks in the can, um, five weeks, eight weeks. I've had headies that are two years old sitting in the cooler. We will age and try and just see what what other people might be experiencing if they if they age the beer in their fridge. Hmm. Um, it 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 changes with time, but it is always outstanding and beautiful and bright and fresh. 
Um, that is a testament to uh, our skill as brewers and our skill as um, packagers. Yeah. Yeah, love that. Um, you, you, it's almost like you can embrace the evolution as opposed to trying sure. to pick up oh, perfect time. Well, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of part of it. Uh, you need to be thinking, what's what if this beer sits in the back of someone's fridge for six months? What's it going to taste like when they open it? Um, that's why we do that ourselves. So we know what it's going to taste like because we've been doing that for for 12, 13 years now. Um, it, it is the most essential thing. I mean, it's it's like when I design a beer, whatever flavor I want people to experience when they open that can, uh, you are building it around the most basic flavor, which is the flavor of carbonic acid, which is CO2 dissolved in water. So anybody that's ever drank a glass of club soda can tell you that it does not taste like water. It tastes like carbonic acid. So that, at its very basic, you need to design a beer around that flavor. That flavor is unavoidable. What am I going to do with the hops and the malt to make that flavor just meld in with everything else and become part of the whole? Yeah, I love that. I think uh, I think a lot of brewers think of CO2 as an afterthought. You know, it's the last thing you do, carbonate it up, and it's... You know, I don't think they think about it the way you think about it. So that's yeah, great. it adds so much, you know, from <laughs> mouthfeel. Yeah. Huge um, impact on the final flavor of a beer. Can I ask, John, uh, you know, you're quite famous that it's printed right on your can, that, that people should drink it straight from the can. I've heard you explain the reason why that it creates a little, you know, cap of, of CO2 within the can that protects the beer. We just talked about how... Um, your IPA will evolve over time, whether it's a couple of days or a couple of months. What about within the can? Like, you know, assuming it takes me several minutes to drink the can, should I be honing in on flavor changes over that period of time? Is that something that you think about? Or should it taste consistent throughout the entire uh, time I'm drinking that, that one can? Well, that's one of the big reasons um, that... I want you to drink it out of the can. So if I am sitting at home and I decide to have a beer, generally, um, I mean, generally I'm going to have one beer and I don't necessarily want to rip right through it. Uh, so look, I mean, people love to pour a beer. I love to pour a beer. It looks beautiful. It's fun to drink out of a nice glass. Um, but when I pour my beers into a glass, I'm drinking them. They're not sitting there. I'm not sipping it. I would, I will rarely pour an entire can of beer into one pour in a glass in one shot. Um, obviously, the moment you do that, that beer is just expelling awesomeness as it sits there. The, the initial opening of the can and pouring, you push so much character out of that beer, just the action of pouring, um, that really you are accelerating the degradation of that beer exponentially. 
And yeah, I get it. It smells great when you first pour it. And, you know, I mean, I've been in situations off, off property. You know, if I'm trying heady out in the wild, I mean, there are times when a bartender will open that beer and I can smell it when it's three feet away. Um, if you put that in the glass, you know, obviously it's, you got a, a very short window where it's going to really be a true expression of, of what is in that package. So if I'm only having one beer and I'm sipping it out of the can, that last three ounces of beer in that can, it could be three hours later that I finish it. It's outstanding. It's going to be room temperature, but it is absolutely delicious. Um, and delicious just, in a different I, way than the first three ounces. Sure. There's just yeah. no need to even challenge that fact because give me a break. You pour that 16 ounces of beer into a pint glass and drink half of it and let it sit for two hours. And then you go back to finish it. It's a, it's a disgrace. It's a shadow of what it once was. I mean, any beer will be, would be. It's completely inundated with oxygen. It has sat there for two hours and off-gassed, and it's just oxidized garbage. You drink that last three ounces out of a can, and it is the opposite. It is a, a beautiful, um, accurate representation of our, of, of our craft. Yeah, awesome. I could I could listen to you talk about beer all day. That's just Don's awesome. so I'm happy thirsty. right now. I am I'm thirsty because <laughs> I'm I actually am drinking carbonated water right now and I feel sad. Which what's wrong? What's wrong ironically water? <laughs> ironically enough, I cannot stand clubs. Really? Ugh. I, I love clubs. I love carbonic bite. I love yeah, it. Me too. I love it. My favorite. I want. Oh. I want a car. I want a club soda that like bite. Literally will bite you back. Well, so, if it's wrapped with malt and hops, sure, I can get behind that. But otherwise, <laughs> does this mean the alchemist will never produce a hard seltzer? <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Right. There are a few things that stories. anybody <laughs> can speak of in life with absolute certainty. I can guarantee you, you will never see a hard seltzer out of the alchemist. Okay. <laughs> what I mean, seriously, what's the point? I'm sorry. Oh, I, I get it. A lot of people enjoy <laughs> it. But for me, it's not. I mean, then you're drinking just to get the buzz. I mean, the, what what real pleasure do you get out of drinking a, a lemon lime hard seltzer? It's maybe it's quenching your thirst and you're getting a buzz, but boy, there's just nothing. There's nothing there. There's no heart. There's no soul. It's just a, a, a method of getting an intoxicant into your bloodstream at that point. And then it just kind of takes the fun out of it for me. Cause then I'm just sitting there like, okay, well, why exactly am I drinking? You know, <laughs> I like them when it's like 90 degrees. That's mm. the only time I'll ever like if I'm like it's really hot or the beach, but I yeah. I I get I get I get why people don't like them. Sure. I'm I'm also one of those like let's drink all things equally kind of person, but I you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm much more of a snob than that. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Everyone everyone's allowed to have their opinion. And totally. when it's that hot, pretty much the only thing I can do is smoke weed. I kind of lose interest in alcohol as soon as it gets over about eighty five degrees. 
it's all i mean it's 85 it's all i want is like a really cold beer it's so oh, that alcohol that alcohol buzz really starts the just yeah, doesn't I only, I only drink like pot. one. Yeah, I drink like a beer. I'm a real lightweight though. I'm like sure. half a beer. I'll share. I'll share a can with my husband, and then I'm like, oh, I'm good. Um, but yeah. Um, what was I gonna ask? I was gonna ask something. Um, I totally lost my train of thought because we talked about hard seltzer. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, that's my fault. <laughs> See what it does. See what it does to your brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, fair. <laughs> Different levels. Fair. Oh, what was, damn it. Um, I was going to ask something. Totally forgot. About IPA? Great. No, I don't remember. Oh, no. Don, Don, you've got more questions, don't you? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I, I just, uh, um, you know, I think, uh, I, uh, John, I really want to thank you because uh, you've been saying a lot of things that uh, I've been thinking, but you have credibility and I don't. So I want to thank you. For, oh, that's not for, true, Don. For saying uh, what I was thinking about about how um, uh, beers evolve. Uh, freshness Absolutely. is very, very important, but, uh, but beer is going to evolve. And so uh, embrace that uh, um, and, and enjoy it. So is there, before you leave, is there anything that you want to add that we've missed talking about? Is there something freshness wise that you want to make sure people understand uh, when they're buying beer? Do, they, do you have any advice actually for people who are buying <laughs> beer? Yeah, buyer beware. I guess would be my advice. Um, you know, uh, not many people will talk about it unless you're in tight quarters, but um, the state of craft beer, you know, there's never been more craft beer on earth. Um, but boy, <laughs> there has never been more substandard lame beer on this earth than there is right now um it's it's scary it is extremely difficult for me to find beer in the world that wows me that is actually a complete beer from beginning to end um and doesn't have some glaring yuck about it um <laughs> it's at times it makes me you know, it makes me start second guessing myself and I start thinking, geez, you know, is it me? And, but I, I really don't think it is because I am, I've always been my own toughest and worst critic. Um, and honestly, I am so, and have always been so eager to find beers that I can wholeheartedly champion and just tell people about. And that is hard to do. That is really hard to do nowadays. It seems like it just gets a little depressing at times. Um, you know, we, we stay true to what we do. We have no plans on ever growing any more than we currently have. Um, and and that's the, that's the truth of it. We are just so dedicated and committed to always, always having the quality that is just beyond people's expectations. Um, that that's all we really can do. That's all we can really worry about. It's it's a weird thing when so many people pour into an industry, 
And it's an industry that, you know, quite honestly, it's, you know, it's not rocket science. It's a process and it's a, it's a laid out process that has been studied and quantified endlessly over the last hundred years. And the data is there. The, the, the knowledge is there. Um, there are just so many people in the business that quite honestly, just lack the palate that is needed um, to make great beer. Anybody can make beer, but boy, there are, there are not many that make great beer. Um, I don't know what that predicts for the future of craft beer. I mean, who knows how long a brewery can, can manage to stay afloat and to continually trick new people into drinking and buying their beer. Um, I don't know how that works. It is a mystery to me, but geez, oh man, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, that Jen and I talk about quite often. And, and as we age as a business without growing in production, uh, what we focus on really is everything else involved in running a business. And people have different ideas of what satisfaction their, their business brings to their lives. Uh, for Jen and I, the Alchemist is a vehicle for us to enact social change, um, to lift people in our community around us uh, to better our employees lives to have a voice um, in a world where ignorance is now championed and hate and um, division is acceptable um, at an ever increasing rate, uh, a lot of businesses will say, oh, well, we don't want to get political. We don't want to talk about stuff like that. Well, well, tough shit. Um, be a human being, take a stand and speak up. And so when we start getting down about the state of craft beer, um, if you start, like I would never, we will, I will never bore, get bored making outstanding beer. But the world of craft beer as a whole, when you get together with people and all you talk about is craft beer, it gets really boring really fast. Um, so we end up pulling back from stuff like that. We don't, we don't do a ton of festivals. We don't get into the business of patting ourselves on the back and promoting ourselves. Uh, we let our actions and our words and the quality of our beer do our speaking for us. Um, so really, those are the things that really get us excited and, and get us moving in the tough times and in the times where you're just overworked and maybe feeling a little burnout. Um, you know, that's about, that's right around when we go and talk to a school or we'll sit down with, uh, 
an entire middle school worth of kids and talk to them about life choices and career choices and and just have an influence on people and try to try to wake them up as to the reality of the world and to get involved and uh and don't be afraid to speak up because it's quite often the quiet and the and the uh underestimated are the ones that end up getting stepped on and it's about time for them to uh to let their voices be heard so there you go in a nutshell wonderful awesome awesome John, thank Cheers you so much that. for, uh, yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate all your insights. Well, I appreciate being asked to be on your show. And uh, thank you all so much for inviting me. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. So, Don, what, what did you learn? There was a lot going on today. There was a lot going on there. <laughs> uh, I liked it. Um, beer, what I love about beer is that it's very complicated. That there's a lot going Absolutely. on. and. Freshness is one of the, it's an ingredient. Freshness is an ingredient, just like malt and water and all that, right? So, yeah. yeah. You? And beer changes. Beer changes. You know, like a beer, you can have a beer, like John said, like when it leaves the brewery or two years down the road. And, you know, if you're you're making a superior product, a great product, um, it should hold up and it should be able to be, you know, as long as you're, it's also, I think, on the onus on the consumer to treat the beer properly. So refrig- if you're especially yes. talking about hoppy beers, refrigeration, uh, I like to say, you know, beer is living. It's a par- It can be a perishable ingredient. So do you want a fresh, crisp salad or do you want a soggy, like sl- slimy salad, you know, that's <laughs> from the, ba- you know, yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. And so you want to make sure you're getting the best beer pro- you know, possible. And there's so many ways that freshness um can change a product for better or for worse and so it's really fascinating um to talk to these two people from you know a brewing perspective and a shop perspective and you know be vigilant no be and have common sense make sure you're getting what um the brewer intended because that's the best way to drink beer yeah what the brewer intended exactly Um, absolutely one thing that 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 john mentioned that i really want to try now because i don't think i've ever taken you know three hours to drink an ipa but but he, no, you know, he talked I. about it. So I think I'm going to try that. I think I'm going to uh, open a can and, you know, mm-hmm. have a sip and take some notes and maybe come back an hour later and have another sip and take some notes. I'm gonna, and, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go see. Um, I know that we get um, their beer here in Connecticut. So maybe I'll go look for it and give it give a focal banger the old Kimmich treatment. Yes, the three hour. <laughs> the three hour yeah. drinking session. I don't yes. know. I'll probably drink the whole thing so quickly. It's so delicious. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to uh, contain myself. So um, so visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. And again, if you are feeling generous or want to support the show, visit our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. If you have any questions for us, please email us at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. That's also the email for feedback, suggestions, or to inquire about supporting this show and others through advertising. Speaking of advertising, let's have a short word from our sponsor. Attention all managers and team leaders. Do you want to provide your staff with the best training in the beer industry? Look no further than Beer Savvy Online by the Cicerone Certification Program. In just a few hours, your team will master the fundamentals of excellent beer service, styles, and beer flavor. At the end of the course, your team can earn a globally recognized beer industry credential. 
And the best part, as a manager, you can monitor your team's learning progress. Set your business apart with a beer-savvy staff today. To learn more, visit cicerone.org and click on the group training button. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can get your company or message featured on this show and others produced by All About Beer, please reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com. Thanks again to Cicerone for sponsoring this episode. Before we go, if you like this podcast, one very easy thing you can do to help us is give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. This helps other people find the show. We'd also really appreciate it if you would let your beer-loving friends know about the All About Beer podcast to help us spread the gospel of good beer. So, Don, how can people find you on social media, website, all that good stuff? Uh, I am at the Dawn of Beer on Twitter and Instagram, and people can drop me an email at dawn at thedawnofbeer.com. And yourself, Em? Uh, I'm at Pints and Panels, uh, Pints and Panels across all social media, and my website is pintsandpanels.com. This show is produced by All About Beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com for articles, notes on this show, and others, and to connect via the newsletter and social media. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. <laughs>